Hey friends, this is newsletter number 21. When not selling out mattered more than making it. Growing up, I associated Thanksgiving with stress and conflict. And so now, even as a card-carrying adult, I still struggle to associate it with gratitude and good vibes. Fortunately, one of the great perks of traveling is to return to the little things that I too often take for granted. Things like my favorite coffee mug, or looking up from the newspaper at my wife's loving eyes, snuggling with my dog, and catching up with an old friend while running alongside the glassy water of the Berkeley Marina under the soft winter sun. With or without Thanksgiving, there is much to fill me with gratitude, including the kind responses and the fun conversations that have emerged from this newsletter slash podcast. So thank you. Next section, a calculated risk. On Saturday, I sold my remaining Bitcoin, suffering a loss of around $600. The same day, I purchased a new winter cycling jersey for $150. It's a bummer to drop $150 when you just lost $600. Then again, I was extraordinarily lucky with my Bitcoin investments. I invested $14,000 in Bitcoin back in 2020 and easily could have lost it all. Instead, I sold most of it in late 2021, when it felt like the hype machine was going into overdrive, and ended up making $24,000. In retrospect, it's always tempting to claim credit for lucky investments, like I must have had some special intuition that crypto was reaching peak hype, and so I sold it off at just the right time. But I can guarantee you I had no such special intuition. It was pure luck. And as you can see in the chart below, at least in the newsletter version, for the majority of the past two years, my stock investments, the purple line in the chart, were underperforming the NASDAQ index. Then the tech bubble burst, and now my investments are outperforming. But let's revisit this graph in a couple years, and I bet that I will be underperforming once again. If you give it enough time, we almost all underperform the market. There have been many winners and losers in the burst of the so-called everything bubble over the past year. Zuckerberg lost $90 billion. Elon and Bezos each lost $66 billion. But no one made and lost more money more quickly than Sam Bankman-Fried, who was worth $26 billion in March, $16 billion at the start of this month, and $0 billion today. Investing is ultimately a game of risk, reward, and probability. The bigger the risk you're willing to take, the bigger the potential reward, and the higher the chance that you lose it all. Sam Bankman-Fried's life philosophy is that most people are too risk-averse. One of his favorite examples from interviews over the past couple of years is that if most people were offered a 100% chance of $1 million or a 10% chance of $15 million, they would choose the former. But not Sam. He bases his decisions on the so-called expected value, the probability of the reward multiplied by the amount of the, the reward. So 100% of $1 million is $1 million, while 10% of $15 million is $1.5 million. So Sam, unlike the rest of us, would choose the latter. It's a rational way to invest, especially in boom times. It's what made his fortune, and probably what caused it to disappear. 
One of the more interesting debates in my field is whether philanthropy ought to be utilitarian. Do values, intentions, and principles matter? Or does it simply matter what you accomplish, no matter how you accomplish it? On one side of the debate are Sam Bankman-Fried and the consequentialists, who argue that only results matter. On the other side of the debate is Tom Ween, who admirably is obsessed with ethical approaches to development which leads him to focus on the squishy metric of dignity instead of more typical development measurements like life expectancy, income, and crop yields. At the extremes, the effective altruists want to blow up asteroids, while the dignity folks want everyone to be nicer to one another, even if an asteroid is fast approaching. For me, this whole episode reinforces the value of pluralism and not becoming overly seduced by any one philosophy or ideology. Rules matter, principles matter, results matter. We ought to embrace them all, even when they are intention. In fact, especially when they are intention. One final thought. The reaction to FTX's bankruptcy has largely been, oh, we thought we could trust Sam Bankman-Fried and never would have guessed that he turned out to be a fraud and a liar. But if you re-listen to interviews from earlier this year, as Jacob Goldstein did this week, losing everything with the hope of trying to do as much good as possible doesn't seem like such an unexpected outcome from Sam. Perhaps the greatest irony of all is that the very people trying to convince us to spend billions on long-term existential risk never considered the very real risk that their patron would go bankrupt by making risky investments. For a smart look at how the crypto craze corrupted politics, especially for the Democratic Party, head over to the Connector Substack by my friend Nico. Okay, next section. When not selling out mattered more than making it. I'm 42 years old. I work in an office, wear khakis, and invest in stocks. If I could go back in time and tell 22-year-old me that this is how it would turn out, I can only imagine his disbelief and disappointment. 22-year-old me wanted nothing to do with 42-year-old me. On my flight home from Kenya, I scrolled through dozens of movies and settled on Reality Bites, which I hadn't seen since I was in high school in the mid-90s. I remember relating so much to Ethan Hawke's character. I, too, was far more concerned with not selling out than making it. Authenticity meant everything, and commercial success was for losers. Of course, the film also pokes fun at the narcissism and avoidance that usually go along with obsessing over authenticity. How Reality Bites came to be made against all ads is a fascinating story, as told by Soraya Roberts in The Atlantic magazine. Apparently, a TV series adaptation is in the works for Peacock, which is fine, but I'd much rather watch a genuine, unconventional piece of independent cinema portraying Gen Z rather than yet another nostalgia-infused adaptation. Any recommendations? Damn, I miss the 90s. My friend Mario and I were discussing this morning what a special decade it was. On the cusp of the internet and globalization, but without the surveillance information overload and constant social comparison. If I could give any gift to young people today, it would be that they could live through the 90s in all its glory. Next section. Speaking of nostalgia, I failed to link to the latest episode of the 12 Inquiries podcast with Luis. In the most recent edition, we spoke with technology critic Sarah Watson and Grafton Tanner, author of The Hours Have Lost Their Clocks, The Politics of Nostalgia. It was a fun, thought-provoking conversation that we edited down to a snappy 20 minutes. 
Next in the queue is a highly personal episode about our experiences with therapy. I'm happy with it how it came out, thanks to Luisa's excellent editing, but I know I'll suffer a bit of a vulnerability hangover once it goes up on the feed. Next section, Love an Immigrant. Last week in Nairobi, I met Arnav Kapoor of the excellent Development Dilemma podcast, which should be required listening for anyone working in global development or philanthropy, or for anyone who has ever lived in another country. I especially recommend this episode with Connor Walsh and Alexandria Njenga about what's going wrong with Kenyan expat relationships, social, romantic, and more. Both Connor and Alexandria were forceful in their insistence that immigrants living in Kenya need to make more of an effort to learn their local culture and customs. I agree. But I was also happy to hear some gentle pushback from a member of the audience, urging her fellow Kenyans to offer grace and show curiosity about the cultures and perspectives of immigrants. I wish more Americans would show that kind of curiosity to my wife and to other immigrants living in the United States. And I hope that I'm given the same grace when we move to another country. And with that, have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Enjoy the World Cup, which has been fun so far. And truly, thanks for always reading and for sharing your reactions. I will catch you next week.